This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. On today's episode of the Shameless Mom Academy, we're talking with Heather Brooker. Heather is a mother, actress, and Emmy award-winning writer. She currently hosts the popular podcast, Motherhood in Hollywood, where she blends her signature sense of humor with a healthy dose of reality about parenthood and the entertainment business. Heather's passion for the industry shines through in her interviews and comedic writing. She's appeared on shows like Lopez, The Office, Fresh Off the Boat, The Mindy Project, and is a contributor to the Huffington Post and mom.com when the mood strikes. This was a super fun interview to do. I had never met Heather before or talked to her, but we completely hit it off. In fact, our pre-interview went way longer than normal because we were just chatting, chatting, chatting about a million different things. So basically we're BFFs. She doesn't know, but it's okay. I had a great time talking with her. What really stood out to me in this conversation is I felt like she kind of debunked some of the myths about perceptions, especially around body image in Hollywood. Also just the reality of what Hollywood is. And I feel like, you know, we feel like what we see in the media, you know, in people.com, or especially if you're following celebrities on social media, we feel like there's this perception of so much glitz and glamour in Hollywood. And Heather's here to tell us that 99% of that is not true. The reality is that 99% of those people in Hollywood are just regular old moms. So it's been really fun talking to her in this interview and just getting a little bit of kind of a behind the scenes peek at what really goes on when you are raising a kid and you are involved in show business. So really fun conversation. We also get to hear what it's like to hang out with people like Steve Carell and Mindy Kaling and how nervous does one get in those situations. And yes, Mindy Kaling took a selfie with her, of course. And like Mindy held her phone and did it, which like I'm a huge Mindy fan. So this is a really fun interview. 
You're going to love it. I should warn you, Heather and I are both redheads, so we're both brilliant. And we have to talk about that we're both brilliant because being humble is not a redhead trait. So just be prepared for that. I hope you enjoy listening and make sure that you share this episode with other people who would love to listen to a couple redheads be funny. For those of you who are first-time listeners to the Shameless Mom Academy, make sure you hop on over to iTunes and subscribe so that you can hear all of our episodes. We release episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and you can go ahead and go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review to subscribe, find all of our past episodes, and leave a review if you just fall in love with today's episode and our other episodes. So without further ado, let's dive in. Heather Brooker, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. I have to say I was so excited when I went to your website and saw that you are a redhead. So we're basically sisters. (laughs) Gingers for life. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I always get real excited. I'm actually interviewing two redheads today. So I kind of feel like we're ruling the world. Absolutely. Did you read that article that said that gingers are going to be extinct by like 2050 or something like that? Did you ever see that article? No, but I feel like there's so many now. I feel like we're kind of like exploding. Do you think though that all of them are natural? That's the thing. (laughs) But I feel like I'm seeing so many more kids who I'm assuming are natural. I'm seeing so many more little redhead kids all the time. Isn't it great? I I love it. You have a three-year-old and she's a redhead, correct? She is, but you know, her hair color fluctuates depending on the lighting. Sometimes it's like a brownish blonde and then sometimes it's like a bright red. So yeah, I'm going with red, but it depends on the lighting, I suppose. (laughs) My son is not a redhead. He's like kind of a light brown and... I was kind of scared of having a redhead kid because I'm a pretty intense person and I never know. I'm like, am I intense because I'm a redhead or is it because I'm a Scorpio? And so, oh, are you really? I am yes, too. Oh, you it's are? Intense. It is a magical combo, but it's a lot to manage. And you know what though? Like people, are you also an only child on top of it? No, because I'm the okay. oldest, so I'm super bossy. Yes, I'm an only child, a Scorpio and a redhead. So you know that like I got picked on a lot, but I also (laughs) fought back. (laughs) Right, right. Totally, totally. Yeah, I actually had a client one time tell me she felt like we'd been working together at the gym. I was her trainer for like six months or something. And then she told me one day after learning my birthday, she's like, you know, I did not know you were a Scorpio. I probably wouldn't have hired you. And I was like, what? Like, gosh, we really have that bad of a reputation. I guess so. Like, yeah, a redheaded Scorpio. That sounds like a book or something. (laughs) The redheaded Scorpio. (laughs) Totally. So we went through your introduction and you have your hands on so many things and you've been involved in some really cool things. And we have to talk about the Mindy Project because I love, I'm obsessed with Mindy Kaling. But I want you to tell us just a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal professional life, because I know that doing this in LA in the world of acting is like no small thing. Right, exactly. Well, I'm an actress, I'm a writer, and you know, I have my podcast, Motherhood in Hollywood, which kind of came out of after giving birth, obviously. (laughs) Right. But no, I'm trying to balance my life as an actress and a mom. And it's hard because the world of acting and the world of Hollywood is such a freelance type of job. You never know from day to day when you're going to have an audition, whether you're going to have an actual paying job. And everything's very last minute, you know, finding childcare, trying to juggle all of your responsibilities to go and be on set and and do your work. And then, you know, when it's all over, you have no idea when you're going to get to work again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun and very fulfilling career and job when you get to do it. 
Right. So yeah, so that's why I started my podcast to kind of help fill those creative moments when when things are a little slow and you know, it helps me be able to talk about mom stuff, helps me be able to talk about acting and industry related things and also just be like silly and wildly inappropriate like I am. (laughs) Well, I love that instead of, you know, I'm sure it's super easy to just sit and be frustrated or freaked out Mm -hmm. when you're in between gigs. And I love that you are kind of like, okay, like I'm going to do my own thing. And then when stuff comes along, I can do that stuff. But in the meantime, like I can also own the heck out of my own project. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And that's a great way to put it because so many times actors get frustrated and we get stuck thinking we're never going to get to act and live our dreams and, you know, do what we want to do. So if you'll notice the people who are really making it really successful are kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and making their own web series or creating their own short films and, you know, writing and blogging and those sorts of things. The people who are like, I'm not going to wait for Hollywood to come to me. I'm going to make my own path. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with motherhood in Hollywood. But also, quite frankly, it's just a way for me to get to meet new people and talk to people and interview them. Because I used to be a reporter, too, a million years ago. Another lifetime ago, I was a reporter (laughs) and international correspondent. So I loved interviewing. I loved asking questions. I mean, before we even started recording, I think I asked you about 100 questions. (laughs) (laughs) Which I loved. Okay, I felt felt very important. (laughs) You are. So it's just sort of this habit that I have. And I just want to get to know people. I love hearing their stories and their perspectives. And then selfishly, I love sharing my own. (laughs) Isn't that? Isn't it funny? Because I totally feel the same. See, it's a probably a redhead thing, but redhead, I I yeah. can talk about my own life for, forever. And ver- like my mom is like, I can't believe the things you talk about on the podcast. It's a little bit personal. It's very and freeing. There's I, something about being behind your microphone that's yeah. a little liberating, right? It's totally cathartic. I'm like, this is my therapy. I mean, I also go to real therapy, but t- this is like my <laughs> secondary therapy. And I also Are love- Are you sure you're not in LA? <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm really into myself. Everybody is totally into themselves and they all have a therapist. Right. <laughs> right. No, therapy is a new thing for me. And I'm telling everyone that they have to do it now. It's like my new thing that I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I am the reason my podcast, we do the solo episodes and I do the interviews because as much as I do love telling my own stories, I love connecting with other women and other moms. It's so fun. And none of it feels like work. That's like what I've learned is I'm right. like, none of this feels like work. This is just like a really little fun hobby. Yeah. And that's when you know that you're in the right place and you're doing what you are supposed to be doing is when it doesn't feel like work. You know, totally, totally. So when you have things on set, can you take your daughter with you? Or it sounds like maybe last minute mad dash for childcare every time. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had a more regular gig, like you probably read in like us magazine and people and, you know, online stuff where celebrities bring their kids to work and they have like their onset nanny and that sort of thing. <laughs> that's uh, not everyone's reality. No, that's not real for 99.9% of the actors in this town. You just can't, it would be too distracting. It's also, it's like if you were to take your kid to your office every day or your gym, it would be super distracting. You would not be present in your work you would be worried about your kid and, right. you know, and also it's expensive. You have to pay for like an onset nanny and you have to get okay. them. It's just not practical. I know that there are a lot of women who do it, but it's not practical. I've taken her to auditions with me before just because I didn't have any other option. Okay. Um, Cause sometimes auditions pop up. So last minute they'll call you same day and say, can you be in Santa Monica in three hours? And that's basically like 
you know, my whole day ruined in a good right. way. We right, love right. auditions, but like, oh no, there's a panic that sets in. So no, I don't know that I could take her to set. I'm not at that level yet is what I'm saying, Sarah. Someday. Someday. Well, I mean, now that you have the podcast, I'm sure you're heading in that it's direction. taken off. I know. I'm a big star. <laughs> so when you get gigs, is a lot of your work, is it like a one day thing or is it usually like a few weeks at a time or what is the range of how long a job might last? Well, it could go from one day where you work just a few hours. If you have a quick, it's called a co-star part. That's okay. usually people who go in and they have one or two lines Okay. on a show. They'll show up, they do hair and makeup, and they get into whatever wardrobe they need for the day. You go on set and you say a couple of lines. They film it from a few different angles and then you're done. And then you go home. And those are the small parts. Then it ranges from like a guest star part where you could be on for two or three days up to a week. Then you've got a recurring part where you go back every week or every few weeks, depending on whatever deal you have worked out. And then there's the series regulars, your leads, you know, like Mindy Kaling in the mini project. You're the star of the show. You're there every day, all the time. All the time. And she's also a producer of the show. So right. she's there writing as well and reading scripts and very involved in the show. So it can depend. Okay. Like so just- while we're talking about my close friend, Mindy Kaling, <laughs> what did you do on that show? I played a process server when she was getting sued and it was so great. It was one of those situations where I went in and I was just there for, I had a really small part. So I went in and I was there for a few hours, but still just to be there and work with her and work with those guys on the show. It was so great. It was so much fun. And I awkwardly like stood right next to her because they had to focus the cameras and check the lighting and everything. So I was literally standing shoulder to shoulder with her for about an hour. And you asked for a selfie, right? Well, I didn't, but she took one. I mean, she saw that I had my phone and I was just like, hey, do you mind if we get a photo before I go? And she was like, sure, no problem. And then as we were wrapping up, she goes, hey, do you want to take a selfie? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) I love that she would ask that. Like she just knows that it's necessary. She knew. And she took my phone and she knew exactly what angle to go for. And she was like, pow, pow. And like, she nailed it. So cool. Yeah, I I just read her book like a month or two ago. And such a such a good book. Which one? She has two, right? I read her second one. Oh, okay. And I cannot think of the name right now, but I will link to it in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. Is everyone having fun without me? Is that the yes? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. So great. And I actually was asking her about it when we were standing there talking. I was like, because I had just read her book too, and I was like, it's a really great book. It's very funny. And she was like, Oh, thank you. And I think we all have such a perception of what these celebrities are going to be like when you meet them. And Mm -hmm. I, for some reason in my mind had built up that Mindy Kaling and I were going to be best friends (laughs) and that she was just going to go, Oh my gosh, Heather, you are so funny. We have (laughs) to hang hang out. out. What are you going to do for lunch? You want to go have martinis after? And in my mind, that was exactly what was going to happen. That didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so shocked. I know, like, (laughs) I might have gone to crazy town a little bit, but that did not happen. But I will say, like, she could not have been more lovely. And she was very friendly and very kind, but very professional. Like, she's got a lot on her mind as far as she runs her show. She has to deal with networks. She has to deal with all her writers, plus all of the acting on top of it. Like, I just can't imagine the amount of pressure she would be feeling like that. So I forgive her for that one. <laughs> she probably was just busy that day. Like right, if it had exactly. been a different day, she might've asked you. If we had like hung out at the gym or something. So uh, is there anyone that you've been totally starstruck or just tongue tied around? Yes. I would say initially Steve Carell, yes. I was on the office twice oh, and wow. 
when I first met Steve Carell, I very rarely get starstruck because they're in LA and you do see people, actors all the time, kind of walking around, just living their life and doing their thing. But Steve Carell for me was a big one. And he could not have been nicer. Like he was just Aww. so normal and sweet, like yeah. a funny dad. And like someone, I also was like, we're going to hang out forever. <laughs> he wasn't feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> Again. like, <laughs> But he's so nice. And he took a picture with me. It was my first time on that show was with him and Amy Ryan, who was in Gone Baby Gone. I think that's what it was. She was nominated for an Oscar for oh, that. Okay. And yeah, so Steve Carell was a great one. Kevin Hart. I worked with Kevin Hart on The oh Real Husbands of Hollywood. Die. Oh, I, he's I so him. funny. He was so funny. And he has a presence about him and an energy. And everyone was excited to be there and work with him. And he was cracking us all up. And so that was a lot of fun. I would feel so much pressure to be funny around him. Yeah, you know, and I did. And I'm a comedic actress too. So I don't, you know, generally feel pressure. I'm just like, I'm naturally hilarious (laughs) (laughs) and humble. Right. Um, Right. It's the red hair again. We are very (laughs) humble people. Super humble. And he came in and the director was like, okay, Heather, he's like, I want you to just give him all you got, like improv with him, throw whatever you got with him. And I was like, really? Are you sure? And Kevin was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, give me what you got. What do you got? And so I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I got to like play around with him in the scene and joke around with him. And he was so funny. And it was, that was a really positive experience. He was a really nice guy. It was a ridiculous episode <laughs> for like the storyline. If anybody ever sees it, it was a ridiculous storyline, but he yeah. pulled it off. So. So do you have any big dreams of someone you'd love to work with? I'm sure you do. Well, okay. So I would love to work with, and this is super random, Roseanne Barr. Only because I think like when I was growing up, you know, there was nobody else like her on TV and her comedy was so like edgy and inappropriate, even for like, you know, network TV, she would say and do things that were kind of always pushing the envelope. She's, you know, a little cray, I think, Uh in real life, (laughs) but I would just love to be able to work with her because she's just such a legend. I would love to work with Amy Schumer. I was hoping you would say her. Yeah. I mean, she's so funny and She gets labeled like a sex comic or whatever, but I'm okay with that. I think it's hilarious that she talks about sex so much and she's just being honest and silly from a comedian's perspective. A lot of comedians are not necessarily being truthful in everything they say. They're kind of blowing it out a little bit for comedy's sake. Right. So, but I mean, I love it. Who cares? It's funny. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey! 
everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Are you a Judd Apatow fan? I am, actually. I was going to well, mention. the reason I ask is he <laughs> just wrote a book uh, called Sick in the Head. And yeah. it's a series of interviews. Have you heard of it? Well, that was my current book that I, or the one that I just read. Oh, so I just picked it up. Like I've only read the first 15 pages or something. But when you said Roseanne Barr, he mentioned working with Roseanne and Tom. But it's crazy. These interviews that he's been doing since he was like a little kid. So funny that you brought that up because that is literally the last book I just read. So did did you love it? I did because I like knowing what's going on in these comedians' minds. Like, how do they get started? Where do they come right. from? Where does their funny come from? And right. how are they, you know, especially the writers, like, how are they translating their comedy onto the page? Because I have found sometimes what I write doesn't come off as funny. People think of it as me just being bitchy or sarcastic <laughs> or rude. And I'm like, to me, that's funny. <laughs> You know, like I wrote this sort of funny article for Backstage that was kind of like, here's a letter to my pre-parent actor self. And it was reasons why it was sort of encouraging me to go ahead and take the leap into motherhood because there's such a fear for actors out here that you won't be able to provide for your child because of the freelance nature of the business, that you will never work again, that you'll be dropped by your agent. You know, there's all of these fears that come along with parenting in the entertainment business. And I just kind of wrote this as a note to myself going, it's okay. You'll be okay. You can do it. Right. And it was very like smart assy and all that. And people took it as me telling them to go out and have babies. And people are like, this isn't funny. Why does she think she's funny? And I'm like, but if you read it in my voice, in my head, the way it sounds, it's funny. <laughs> so I'm always curious to know how writers, right? how they're writing humorously and how they're able to do that. So I loved Sick in the Head. I thought it was a great book. And Roseanne Bard discovered and worked with so many major comedic, people in Hollywood, like who are now huge stars. Joss Whedon was on the Roseanne Barr show and he's done like, Oh my God, I'm forgetting everything. I think he did Firefly. My husband, he was, yeah, he did Firefly. All of my nerdy friends who are listening to this are going to kill me because every Joss Whedon show is now, Oh, he does Marvel's Avengers. You see, and he's done a lot of sci-fi superhero stuff. Okay. Then there's Judd Apatow, a ton of stand-up comedians that she discovered and worked on her show. Oh, he did the Avengers movie in Avengers Age of Ultron and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. So, big things. Very yeah, cool. lots of big things. And they, he and Judd Apatow started on Roseanne. So she just has such a smart eye for comedy and up-and-coming comedians. And yeah, I would love to be able to 
have a show like hers, you know, where I could play this fun, smart aleck, you know, mom type character, but show what real life is like, because it isn't all glamorous and red carpets. And, you know, that's just not the reality. Sure, we get to go and do red carpet things every now and then, but it's just not the reality of what an actor's life is. So when you had your daughter, because as you were saying in your article about encouraging people, telling everyone to have babies, quote unquote. (laughs) Um, So what was your attitude going into motherhood? Were you scared of that? And then how did your work evolve after you had your daughter? You know, I wasn't scared to have my daughter. I was, well, I was scared, not from an actor's perspective, because I'm always just like, listen, I'm either going to make it and work as an actor or I'm not. You know, I've accepted that a long time ago. I was more scared of the mom side of things because I don't have any brothers and sisters. I'm an only child and my cousins are, you know, distant, distant cousins. So I'm literally have not grown up around kids. I didn't have friends who had kids, but I knew I wanted to be a mom. So I was really more scared about the, oh my God, what do I do with a person? (laughs) Like a little tiny person scared. But I'm such a planner. I'm such a nerd that I like read everything I could. I took classes. I couldn't wait to go into a mommy me class and talk to other moms and, you know, kind of start connecting in that way with other moms who were also having the same kind of fears as me and concerns and excitement. And, you know, so in terms of like my career, I wasn't so worried I have full confidence that it's either, like I said, either going to happen or not happen. So did you have to push pause for a certain amount of time as you like Mm. after having her and then before getting back into things or yeah, yeah, you kind of do just because physically you have to, you know, like I had an emergency C-section and I was not fully recovered for a couple of months. I had a really long and painful recovery. So I couldn't imagine trying to go into an audition, you know, like after that. So I purposely emailed all my agent, my manager and said, Hey, I can't, I'm going to be out for a few months for the baby, which they know they're used to it. They know there's a lot of having babies. And honestly, I'm really glad that I did that because there's so many moms out here. And this is also kind of why I wrote that article and why I started the podcast. There's so many moms and dads who feel that pressure to once you have your baby, you've got to get back out there right. because every magazine is showing these moms who are three weeks postpartum and yep. they've lost all their baby weight. They're already yep. working out three and they're already- weeks. They're like 10 days uh, postpartum. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Look, my six pack is showing already. Yeah. Chrissy Teigen, you know, when she went on her date night, when her baby was nine days old and good for her, but that sends such a negative message to other moms where it's like, if you're nine days postpartum, you don't have to go on a date night in full hair and makeup. In fact, don't like Mm -hmm. enjoy your time with your baby. Enjoy your time to recover. If you are able to do that, great. Good for you. But it's not the norm. I don't think. No, I mean, I so many moms that I know just a few weeks after giving birth can barely like function, right. you know, so it's such a Hollywood thing to do to have mm-hmm. your baby. And then a few weeks later, you bounce back ready to go. So right. I think a lot of moms out here think that that's what you do. And it isn't. It and isn't. See, and what we see, you know, the majority of the world outside of Hollywood, we see that that's like how everyone in Hollywood is. Are you seeing, right. though, that even within Hollywood, that's an exception? Or is that very much the norm I think that a lot of moms, whether they're famous or not out here, feel the pressure to get back in shape and be ready to go for auditions right away. Whether it's self-imposed pressure or whether it's pressure from like their agent or their manager 
you know, I don't think it's like fans who are messaging these moms going, why aren't you fit and right. ready to go again for this next TV show? Right. It's the I, competitive I, nature of the yes, work too. It is. It is because I remember when I was out for my maternity leave, I remember seeing friends book jobs and being like, oh, you know, I could have gotten that. Why am I not in the mix? Like I've got to get out there. And then I just stopped and went, you know what? I've got this beautiful, tiny little person who is never going to be this small again. And I want to savor every single minute of it because I know eventually I am going to be back out in the game. I am going to be going to auditions. I'm going to be calling my agent and I'm going to be going to workshops and classes and back in the hustle or whatever, you know, the entertainment hustle. And I just will never get this time back. And so I wanted to kind of encourage moms to go, you know what? Hollywood is always going to be here. This machine will always exist, but your baby will not always be this little and you know, you won't ever be able to get that time back. So I took off about six months before I called my agent manager and said, okay, I think I'm ready. And then it started up again, had auditions and started going back out. And it it was like, I never left. Oh yeah, that's great. And you make such a good point of, I think that we all see things on Facebook, whether it's you were making professional comparisons, seeing people, seeing your colleagues in roles that you were missing out on while you were home with your baby. Mm-hmm. But I think we all do this with social media where we see things on social media and it's almost like if someone else has a big win, it like diminishes our ability to mm-hmm. have a, a big win, which is total BS. But oh, yeah. we, ha- we have this perception that like, oh, if someone else lost 30 pounds, that like diminishes my ability to lose 30 pounds or where you have to consciously remind yourself like you can be excited for them and you can do that too if you want to like maybe you don't want to and that's fine but if you do want to you can do that too there's like that person their ability to do it doesn't take away from your ability to do it or doesn't take away from your value and it's so hard I think also when you have a brand new baby and the world just seems irrational I think (laughs) that it is really hard to just sit back and I almost feel like you have to really conscientiously remove yourself from some of the stuff that you are used to just absorbing on the internet, right? Because otherwise you really can make yourself crazy. And especially in like Facebook land, which is all unicorns and rainbows and everyone is super skinny. (laughs) I mean, like people Mm -hmm. only post the glamorous things about their life. I mean, this is one of the things that kind of prompted me to start a podcast was that I'm someone who has always posted more about my crappy days with my son than my amazing days with my son. Mm -hmm. And where people are like, God bless you for being real about motherhood. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm like, Oh, of course, like the dog has diarrhea all over the house and the kid is barfing everywhere. (laughs) and I can't go to the grocery store and I haven't showered in three days and like everything that is much more my reality than like here's this beautiful picture by the flowers at the park like you know just smelling the roses (laughs) so no but it's true though like social media makes us weirdly competitive with each other and you know and I understand that and entertainment is naturally and being actor is naturally a competitive sort of business, even though we're all supposed to be artists who just want to create (laughs) characters and bring the script to life and you know, all of that stuff. No way. There are actors out here who would mow me down if they thought it would help them get closer to a part that, you know, and social media definitely doesn't help with that. And the mommy world is the same way. You know, we're all kind of looking at each other. Like, what have they got? What have they got? Right. And it's hard for me to, to stop and go, it's okay. If they have that, it's okay. There's still space for me in this world. It's not easy to do. And like you said, I have to constantly remind myself to do that. 
because we are so competitive with each other. Yeah. You know, how many followers do you have? Well, how many do you have? You know, even in podcasting, how many downloads do you get? How many subscribers? Everything is a competition to get more eyeballs, more ears, more followers in what you're doing because that is the measure of success. 20 years ago when we didn't have any of this social media, like I don't even remember how did we measure who was successful if they got in the newspaper? Basically. Do you remember? I, like it was like, I don't remember how we all... It, I think wow. it, it was like if you got in the newspaper or like success wasn't measured by exposure. Right. So mm-hmm. that's very different too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like no one ever thought that they would be a celebrity. It was like, that was such a small amount of people. Now, everybody, it, you know, it was Gilligan's Island and like eight is enough. And so right. like, yeah. it's that tiny little subculture that you just don't even think you ever would have access to. So it's very different now because everyone has access to everything. It's mm-hmm. much more easy to be in a position where you're like, whether you're in LA or not in a role of like self-producing. I mean, which is exactly what I'm doing on a podcast. It's like, I am totally self-producing. I am like manufacturing something to entertain other people with. And you know, my whole thing is, of course, I'm serving moms and that means something significant to me, but Mm -hmm. it is like a self-production of something and an opportunity that I would have never had to have a platform 30 years ago. So it's, yeah, it's a very interesting thing and it does create a lot of competition. You know, there are decisions being made right now by producers and TV show runners and executives who, as far as casting, based on Twitter followers and Facebook fans and all of that. So, you know, I could lose out on a part and honestly probably have lost out on parts because I don't have enough Twitter followers compared to someone else. Yeah, because for a show to get the word out about their show, Mm -hmm. it's instant free advertising. If you've got a star that has half a million Twitter followers versus one that has 5,000, you're going to go with the one that has half a million because they're tweeting about your show to all their fans and followers and they're going to tune in and watch it. So there are benefits I see to social media and social media competition, especially in entertainment or if you're trying to, like you said, self-produce something. Mm -hmm. I get it. But the artist side kind of goes, oh, I hate that. It's so gross. It feels so commercial. You're so selling yourself out. And I hate that because I feel like I'm constantly having to hustle and move and shake and create something new and different. And it's not at all how it used to be as an actor. Yeah. Listen to me. I sound so whiny. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't mean like the good old days. I remember the good old days when we could just act and perform. I don't know why I sounded old timey for a second. (laughs) Know what I want to do? I would love to do a podcast just for fun where I'm like, hello, everybody. And welcome to motherhood in Hollywood, you know, and do like this total old time. And people probably be like, what? Is right. this lady smoking? I don't know that I could keep that up for the full right. <laughs> for the full show, but I may try. That would be hilarious, like an old school radio show. Old school radio show on the podcast on your Apple iPhone. So, with Motherhood in Hollywood, who are your listeners that you're reaching out to, and what are you offering them through your podcast? How are you serving them? Well, like I mentioned a little while ago, I really want to empower moms in this business who are not in that top 1%. You know, they're called below the line actors, the ones who are not making ends meet. That is a horrible name. (laughs) It is a horrible name. I know. And it pertains to like 99% of them, right? It is. Yeah. Below the line actors are people who are not basically making their living solely as an actor. And that's a union term that our union has come up with. And they're moms who are every day and dads who are every day struggling to try to figure out how to go after their dreams of acting and writing and performing 
and also their love for their family. In my mind, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think a long time ago it did. There was a lot of actresses who were scared to get pregnant and have babies or afraid to tell their representation that they were going to have a baby because they would get dropped and then they would never work again and all of that. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that there are so many parents out there who can do both and who are doing both and seeing more celebrities who are going out and about with their kids and taking their kids to events. And there's so many things now that are popping up, events that are popping up now around families. I'm mostly just, and this is the majority of the people who are listening to my show, are actors and people in the entertainment industry who are going after their dreams, but not sacrificing their family. And that could be honestly applied to any field. Uh, Just acting happens to be the field that I'm in. But it could be applied to any field. Like you could be in finance. You could be in technology or sciences and still go after your dreams and do what you want to do without sacrificing your family time. Right. Yeah. And that's a huge part of what I want. Like if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's great. But that doesn't mean you have to lose yourself. And if you want to be a working mom, again, that's great. But you don't have to lose yourself. Like you can, I think no matter what direction you go, there's so many pulls in every direction Mm -hmm. that you have to just continually find yourself in there and find the balance. I don't believe in balance in and of itself, but find the balance that works for you and for your family so that you do get like the quality mommy time, the quality self-care time, the quality professional time or time for your passion. If you're not working outside the home, you should still have time for a passion, whatever that might be for you. Right. um, Where you are the idea of following your dream because eventually your child will not need you as much as they do right now. And then what? Right. And that can be a very overwhelming for women. I've known women who've really struggled with that and had like significant depression around like my kids don't need me anymore. And what am I going to do with my time and myself? Because their whole identity was in raising their children, which is fantastic and amazing. But that doesn't mean you have to lose yourself in the mix of it all. Exactly. I think, and we're all so hard on ourselves. Mm. Like, let's just stop being so hard on ourselves. If you made the choice to be a stay-at-home mom, great, go for it. If you have made the choice to be a working mom and, or, you know, maybe it wasn't your choice, maybe you didn't have a choice and you just spend whatever time you can with your child, you know, it is what it is. My mom was a working mom and she was a single mom as well. And she just did it. Like it wasn't something that she toiled over and she hated. She was like, yeah, this is just life. I got to work to pay the bills and to help us survive. And I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we had movie dates and which, you know, was also probably what sparked my love of movies. But my mom and I always had movie dates and we always had Sunday lunches together and weekends together, you know? So, and I never felt like, I was missing out. I never felt like, oh man, I wish my mom was home all the time. Or she was choosing one thing over you. Or that she was choosing one thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I never felt that way growing up. And honestly, I don't know any kids who are adults now who did feel that way because, you know, I just think that we're so hard on ourselves as mom. Like whatever choice we're making is going to impact our kids for the rest of their lives. And that's, sort of true, but not really, (laughs) you know? And I think it's safe to give everyone, all moms, the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm going to assume that you're doing the best that you can. And that's going to look really different from one person to the next, but let's just assume that we're all doing the best that we can. Exactly. Because I don't think there's anything harmful in assuming that. I think the harmful thing is that we assume people aren't doing the best they can. And we're like, how could you consider doing that to your child? And it's like, you know what? They're just doing the best that they can. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, that's totally true. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? 
Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, so we have to switch gears a little because I want to hear about your, this is right up my alley, your... Uh-huh. Uh, MIH 15 by 15 adventure. Yeah. So earlier this year, I have not, we had talked about this before we started recording, but I had struggled finding a place where I could go and work out and have childcare at the same time. Those kinds of gyms don't really exist, you know, at least not in the way that I want them to, you know, (laughs) not where it's like they have engaging, fun childcare while you go work. So I started gaining weight after I had my daughter and then gaining and gaining and gaining. And before I knew it, I was much bigger than before I had my daughter. And as an actor, it's hard because you want to be healthy and you want to look good. I mean, I know I'm not ever going to be a size two and that's okay. I embraced that a long time ago. But I just wanted to feel healthier in my clothes. I was tired of just constantly wearing sweatpants and then having to go up a size in sweatpants and Mm -hmm. shirts that were too tight on my arms and my stomach and just general lack of energy and not feeling healthy. You know, I am a woman of a certain age and (laughs) I just kind of was feeling very gross. My 15th wedding anniversary was in May. So I decided to set a goal that was to lose 15 pounds by my 15th wedding anniversary. And I wanted to do it by going and trying different workouts and different programs all over Los Angeles. Cause here in LA, there's so many options for working out from hiking to gym classes to Broadway style show tunes, dance class, you know, oh my gosh, so everything. Fun. Oh my God. It was so much fun. It's called five, six, seven sweat. And <laughs> that's awesome. We danced to like chorus line to kinky boots, like all of these fun. fun. It was a cabaret. Anyway, so I wanted to try all of these different things that were interesting to me to basically get me up off the couch, get me moving was the initial goal. Just get moving and then to lose weight on top of it. I set a very small attainable goal of 15 pounds 
because I wasn't trying to biggest loser that, you know, I wasn't <laughs> trying to be like, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds in three weeks. Right. And I wanted to make sure I met my goal because how embarrassing if you tell the world I'm going to lose weight and then you don't. Awkward. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I will say that is like a super bold, brave move to put numbers out there and a date and all that as when you are, you know, have a public, I was nervous about it. Cause like I did really well out of the gate and then I got comfortable and it's kind of like, didn't lose as much for a few weeks. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to tell people in a few weeks, whether or not I did this, I need right. to get on. And that was actually a really good motivating factor to make it public and have my friends on Twitter and on social media checking in with me. How's it going? How are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I got to step it up. I learned a lot about myself. I met my goal, by the way, I should nice. say. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. And I learned a lot about myself in the process. I learned what kinds of workouts I don't like, what yeah. kinds of workouts I do like, what my biggest obstacles were as far as losing weight. And it was a great learning experience for me. And yeah, so it was a lot of fun, though. That's so cool. That sounds like a fun way to do it. And I love the idea the accountability. I understand the stress of the public following, but the accountability piece, I think that nothing beats accountability. And I run accountability programs in my gym here just because of that. Like I make my people put it out there. Like, I don't care what your goal is, but you got to share it with us because you're way more likely to actually do it. So I love that. That's why they say Weight Watchers works too, is because every week you have to go in and get on the scale and it's that they write it down and sometimes you get a sticker and sometimes. (laughs) I grew up in Weight Watchers culture. I did Weight Watchers for the first time when I was in the fifth grade. So the first time, not the last time, by the way, that I did Weight Watchers. But yeah, I mean, that pressure of having to get on a scale in front of someone is crazy. And I should do a whole episode on my Weight Watchers experience. You just reminded me. Oh, yeah. I should talk about being so sadly, there's probably a number of kids now who do Weight Watchers because there's so much emphasis on physical appearance. And some parents are very invested in that. And also there is an obesity epidemic among children. So there is a place for children and families to be looking at weight loss for kids. That's very appropriate. But when I did Weight Watchers, there was no children doing Weight Watchers. And I went with my mom and her friend to all the meetings. And I was the only kid in the room by like, you know, 20 years probably. Were you doing it because you were overweight or were you doing it because your mom was doing it? I was an overweight kid. And my mom, I don't really remember how it all came to be like, my mom was never one to be like, honey, you really need to lose a few pounds. So I don't remember how it came to be that I decided to go with her and that I was going to do it with her. And I got great results. And I will say, so I would go to these meetings and everyone thought I was the cutest thing ever because when there's like a, I think I was, I can't remember. I was like 11 ish or something. I don't know. But when there's one kid in the room, it's like, everyone is just like, oh, honey, you're doing such a great job. And I would tell all sorts of stories about like, I went to the candy store and I didn't get any candy. And like my anecdotal stories were like hilarious. Cause you know, everyone else is like, I didn't go out drinking this weekend or whatever. Uh. And here I am like, I didn't get an everlasting gobstopper. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But then what was interesting was the reinforcement I got from other people at such a young age and some of the com, I mean, I remember like a family member saying like, I think I lost like 13 pounds or something, which was a big deal. And it was definitely noticeable. And I remember a family member being like, Oh, that's so great. Like, I really hope you keep it off. And like, that's a big, huge message for a kid. I really hope you keep it off. That's a big yeah. deal. Like, so there was, yeah, pros and cons to the whole thing for sure. But it's an yeah, interesting sh- thing to have in my arsenal now as a fitness professional. <laughs> 
Totally. I think that honestly, a lot of people have had dances with Weight Watchers. <laughs> They've had a few <laughs> encounters with Weight Watchers. That could be the title of your podcast, Encounter, <laughs> Encounters with Weight Watchers, and have great stories to tell about it and you know whether or not they stuck with some people are lifers. And, you oh, know. To- oh, yeah. My mom is a lifetime member. And I mean, I will say like, my sister and I make fun of her because she eats like a bird because she knows like points for everything. So she's like, oh, I'm only going to have, you know, a half a sandwich and a carrot stick for lunch because I'm saving my points for wine tonight. <laughs> yeah. So oh, my God. Pretty, she like has saving the, the points. Totally, I remember all that. Totally. So. All right. So I want to talk about your legacy. How are you building a legacy in a life that you are shamelessly proud of? I think because I want to set an example for my daughter that she can do whatever she sets her mind to do, whether it's in a creative field, whether it is, you know, in science and technology or law or uh, medicine, hint, hint. No, um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, because I'm not what people would call a hugely successful actor. I'm not working as an actress every day like I would like to be, but I'm still pursuing it. I'm still going after my dream. I'm still finding ways to make my dream happen. And I'm really proud of that fact. And I want her to know that, and I say legacy, I'm mostly speaking legacy, you know, for my daughter in those terms. But like, I want her to see that mommy, you know, went after her dream and that mommy was not afraid to let that dream wait a long time, (laughs) a long, (laughs) long time until it happens. And that I do work, even though I'm a stay-at-home mom with her during the week, I do work. She sees me, she'll come in and she'll go, are you recording podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I'm recording my podcast. So she sees that I'm doing something and I'm working and being creative and it's not a typical nine to five job, but it is still a job. And I want to make sure that she knows that There are many different ways you can find happiness because ultimately, you know, I was in a job for many years where I wasn't happy and it wore on my soul and I was constantly stressed and tired. And I think that life doesn't have to be like that. Like you don't have to be stuck in a job that you don't enjoy. There's so many different ways you can express your creativity or go and find your happiness. And I hope that through motherhood in Hollywood, that other moms in my field and dads in my field are inspired by that as well. So I think, you know, in terms of legacy, that's such a big word. I know. You know you think People that, get very intimidated by this question. Yeah. I mean, I think when I think of like a legacy, I think of someone who has been given the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Academy Awards, you know, like those people have a legacy. But I think that Everybody, no matter how famous, not famous, you know, rich, not rich, you are leaving a legacy behind. And if that legacy is spreading joy and laughter and making people laugh, like I think ultimately that's what I would like to do is I just want people to go, man, Heather Brooker was so funny and made me smile so much. And I want to pass that on to somebody else. I love that. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to do our shameless mommy minute, our little lightning yeah, round here. Little lightning rounds. I know. Aren't I they fun? It was just like somebody would lightning round me every day and ask me questions. Fast. I love them, but I have to say as an interviewer, it's hard for me because I want to stop and talk about all of them. Oh, and I know. <laughs> so I have to like totally bite my tongue. Okay, so first and most importantly, red wine or white wine? Red Pinot Noir. Oh, nice. Current book you're reading or the last one you read, which we already talked about. We already talked about Sick in the Head, Judd Apatow. Nice. Favorite non-work-related thing to do with time to yourself? I order on my Starbucks app a 
latte macchiato every day from Starbucks. And I go and I get that every day and I treat myself to a latte macchiato. I know that's cheesy. Love it. Hey, no. And I love that it's like totally built in. It's like, yes, a treat every day. Every day. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? Can I say pooping? (laughs) Yes, please. Because you know what? No one said that yet. Pooping. You have to. Like, I get up in the morning and I'm like, well, I'm such a dude. I'm like, well, gotta go. But if I'm just being honest, yeah. It would be really hard if someone took that away from you. Very (laughs) uncomfortable. Who is your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration? My husband. He inspires me more than he'll ever know every single day. I don't know what I would do without him. That is so great. And if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? I would give moms the superpower of self-awareness because sometimes I feel like we don't know what we're doing or why we're doing it. And we have this idea in our minds that we should be acting a certain way or we think that we're acting a certain way and maybe we're not. Mm -hmm. I just want everyone to kind of stop and go, wait a minute, what are my actions doing? What is really happening in this situation before I react? Nice. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good one. All right. So Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really, really enjoyed this time. I feel like I've known you for a long time. When we did the pre-interview, I was like, I could just like talk to her without even interviewing her for like an hour. <laughs> I know. I love that. I love seeing, so, and it's the beauty of podcasting. It's, it is. It's, it's so, so fun to connect. to like connect with people and yeah. get to know them. So, and this has been such a pleasure for me too. I've enjoyed it. Oh, thank I'm you so for having glad. me. And thank you also. I appreciate how real you are. You know, you live and work in an industry that doesn't always seem genuine. super genuine. <laughs> and right. I feel like you come across as just like, you tell it like it is. You seem like a very genuine person, and I feel like you've kind of given us this little peek hole into the life behind Hollywood that is like a little different than People Magazine. And yeah, <laughs> so yes, um, which I really, real I really love that. I really appreciate that. So Good, thank you so I'm so much. glad. Well, thanks for again for having me on. This and, has been a lot of fun. Oh yes, and tell us lastly before we get going where we can find you. You guys can check out my podcast and my website at motherhoodinhollywood.com. And my show is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Just type in Motherhood in Hollywood. And of course, I always tell people, you can Google me. Google Heather Brooker if you want, because I'm all over the interwebs. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. And have a fantastic day. Thank you for your time on the Shameless Mom Academy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you loved this interview as much as Heather and I did. We had such a blast bringing you a little bit of entertainment for the day. And I hope you learned a few things, some of the really important things in life here, you know, like what it's like when Mindy wants to take a picture with you. So please feel free to subscribe to us. You can go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, and you will be able to subscribe there. You can find all of our past episodes there. And when you do that, you'll also be able to leave us a five-star review. So leave us a five-star review and I read every single review. Lots of love to all of our reviewers. You can leave a less than five-star review, but if you leave a bad review, I will probably read it on air and laugh at you. But I mean, don't let that stop you. So also make sure that you head over to shamelessmom.com if you want to learn more about the show, more about past episodes, and see pretty pictures of things. And of course, always, you can find all the show notes over there. So anything that we reference in this episode, you can head over to shamelessmom.com and get follow-up information and links to everything. So with that, have a fantastic day. Thank you again for listening. I can't wait to chat again soon. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.